Okay, tell me what you had for breakfast real quick. Uh, coffee. And what might you have for dinner? <laughs> uh, coffee and a salad. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at Steinway and Sons and of the online magazine ListenMusicCulture.com. My guest today is Steinway artist Devell Crawford, who hails from the Crescent City, lives in New York City, and is known as the Prince of New Orleans. Performing since the age of seven, Crawford's gospel roots have led him to jazz, R&B, blues, soul, and funk. He spoke to me from Steinway Hall in New York City. Oh, hi, Ben. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Oh, no problem. Thank you for being here. No we're, problem We're in Steinway Hall in New York City. So listen, last time you were here, yeah. I gave you a more Steve Harvey-esque introduction than I thought I would. Oh, wow. Do you remember this? Well, no, I yes. didn't listen. To, I wasn't. I okay, was, so. I was backstage. I, what happened? I really got worked up. Right. Um, and I started putting all your titles together, and people got louder and more excited. And by the, by the time we brought you <laughs> Was I on, late? No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. The, <laughs> I mean, I mean what, what, what happened? <laughs> by the time we brought you on. Mm-hmm. Everybody was raring to go, and mm-hmm. I think I forgot. I forgot what it's like where when you have, a, we'll call it a family concert, where people mm-hmm. are there to see you and they're supportive of you, yes, and they love you already, mm-hmm. whether they've paid or whether it's free, mm-hmm. and you can do no wrong in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I felt that when I was just addressing that crowd. And I think I said, you know, good evening. And everybody was like, good evening. And I was like, okay, it's church. It's church it's now. Church, right. And I had forgotten about that because I grew up in, in East Tennessee, but I've spent 17 years in New York. Yeah. You know? And you, you forget about that. To me, that also has a lot to do with New Orleans. When I, when I go down there and when I go to DBA or when I go to the Red Cat and it's locals watching locals. Oh, yeah. There's something special. There's this cloud of support there. Right. That embraces you and as a performer i haven't performed in quite some time but as a performer i imagine lifts you up listen you know new orleans is the perfect breeding ground for musicians because what what happens we're very we are a very tribal uh community of people we eat breathe sleep you know and love and live as a tribe we depend upon each other and um, and when when you do something wrong, and you're a, a part of the tribe, the whole community, uh, that whole tribe corrects you with love. And when you do something right, that whole tribe takes you in and celebrates you uh, with nothing but love. And what a wonderful way to be raised, uh, to be nurtured. Um, New Orleans does that better than any other place in the world. Listen, I've traveled, you know that, as a musician, and I think I think New Orleans, and, and really Louisiana as a whole, right, uh, gets that. Uh, there, we have several other American pockets that get it. Nashville gets it. Austin gets it. 
um, San Francisco gets it. And I'm, as much as I love New York and I live here, New York used to get it, you know, and it's getting back to that. You know, okay. I, I see that I, I go out to Harlem I, uh, and, and now uh, over there in, in Brooklyn, I, little pockets, they, they, right. they're starting to get it. It's a different generation. Why did New York know? lose its way there for a time? Well, several reasons. I've been here 11 years and I, I should write about this. I think the masters at that, the guys that took you in and loved you as Lionel Hampton loved me from the time I was a, a little child. But the, but the masters are lead, they, they've gone. They've, they left. Uh, they were raised with tough love. Once they left us, we had we had a generation that really did not school the, the generation that came after them. And I won't call out any names. Of Is that course. because they were doing it for themselves? And was it a self-focus or? I, I, I believe so. I believe I believe it was self-focus. I also believe there were so many great musicians, young young cats that came up at one point, and uh, every man for themselves, right? And New York. Uh, presents that gives you that you know you every man almost is for themselves here what they did they formed a life in that i think they failed the ones that could have helped and still can help they failed uh the younger community uh, of musicians as to as far as showing them how to be musicians how to uh, be grateful and thankful and how to teach you know i think they failed failed those guys yeah and and new york uh, as a whole it also turned into a college town. And we see, we in, see the expansion still of NYU and of Columbia oh, yeah. just sort of owning. Oh, uh, yeah. You can come here and learn how to, how, to, how to pot plants or something. You know, anything. You can get a degree in anything. And which is a good thing, right? But what it does or what it did as far as uh, the music community and, and not only music but arts as a whole, you need, you need a community of professionals, working professionals and you also need a community of students people studying the professionals when the community does not hire and keep the professionals the students that are coming here from all over the world to be inspired and to learn they have no inspiration they have no one to see they have no one to watch you know uh, there's household names here uh, in new york uh, that will sell out any place they play and unfortunately, they, they have not worked in New York for, in, in, a, in a very long time. I've been here 11 years, and I have not seen many of these household names often enough. Hmm. Um, so the students here are now the professionals, as they are students. And that's not inspiring much at all. At least for me, it's not, you know. Yeah, you can't. I mean, I mean, you, you can look. Look, I, I still, I still but say you can't be the student and the master simultaneously. You, you cannot be the student and the master. You, you can be the student and you can be the professional. Like I say, you know, we mentioned New Orleans. New Orleans trains you to do that and to be that. Why is that? What, what is it about New Orleans that trains you to, to, to go through that? So, well, I, I think that's a, it's a generational thing there. Okay. You know, that's just the way we do things. That's the way things always have been done. And we've not strayed away from that. From that. Uh, as you learn on the gig, you learn. That's the best way to learn, you know. And uh, so we get that. Hopefully, what I'm seeing in Harlem and in other pockets around New York, hopefully um, that will happen here soon. For those who aren't familiar with New Orleans and New Orleans jazz, New Orleans jazz can often be pigeonholed as this 
certain sound frozen in time. We think of Preservation Hall Jazz Band, which is a, a certain kind of it's jazz. It's a period band. Right, it's a period band. But I think for many people... Though they play everything, but go ahead. Go certainly, ahead. but I think many people think that, uh, <laughs> that that's the New Orleans sound. I don't think they realize that the rich diaspora that's there. You are, you are correct. Um, and if they realize it, they don't really give it the credit that they should until they have to, right? When you think about New Orleans jazz, you also have to think about gospel. Uh, you also have to think about Mahalia Jackson, the most famous gospel singer in the world, came from New Orleans. And, she, and if it was not for her uh, bringing gospel abroad, she was the first person to bring gospel abroad overseas. And uh, look what has happened now. You know, you of course, Louis Armstrong, but you also think about Jelly Roll. You think about Toots Washington. And then you, you can move on to early R&B. People like my grandfather, James Crawford, they called him Sugar Boy, uh, Fats Domino.
And the, the list can go on and on with that, with the R&B. And then there's the funk with the meters. And look, these guys were creating this stuff at the same time. You know, up to Dr. John with, with all of the with all of the uh, the Bayou stuff and the Indian chants. Right. This was created. This was made up, if you want to say <laughs> made up. You know, they made they put it all in the gumbo down there. Mm-hmm. People like Earl Palmer, Red Tyler, these people moved, moved out of the town. A lot of side men moved away and recorded for various labels, Motown and Stax and and brought whatever whatever ingredient that they had from Louisiana. They brought that to various places. Now, we can't take credit for everything, you know, because let me tell you something. As as long as I've lived in Louisiana, the Delta Blues, man, right next door is a whole different thing. And um, we can play the blues, but when it comes to that Delta Blues, man, that is something you've got to cross the border in order to understand and to learn. And so we give we give that its total respect. Uh, Tex-Mex, all of that right across the border in Texas, we give that its respect. But as far as Zadiko, Afedodo, uh, Indian music, Mardi Gras, New Orleans R&B, which is the, the start of R&B, period, funk, traditional jazz, and uh, a lot of modern jazz came out of New Orleans, too, uh, believe it or not. You've got to give these guys the respect for creating it and carrying it forth and bringing it to the world, right? Just as we give Motown their respect for doing this. So, And so now where, do you, where does your musical identity fit into that gumbo? Well, you know, I, I, I'm a, I assume at, <laughs> at this age... I'm still pretty young. I'm assuming that I'm I'm like the the baby and grandbaby and great grandbaby and the niece the the nephew and all that. I said niece and the nephew of of all of all these these personalities. And it's not something that I tried to be. You know, I was just raised around all of it. I was raised. I caught the the latter end. I caught the end of of Ernie Cato. Uh, mother-in-law, mother-in-law. You know, I, I, I was raised around him. I was raised around. I caught Barbara George. Uh, I know you don't love me no more. Uh, Alan Tucson. Uh, I would go over to his studio as a young musician, uh, before I was in eighth grade or seventh grade, even sixth grade and, uh, practice and play his piano. Dr. John took me in the studio. The first person to bring me into the studio, um, as a, uh, in, before my teens. So, I grew up around, and, and the list can go on and on, right? Mm. Around those people. Given that heritage, where are you trying to now take it somewhere? Well, I, I have to. I have to. As far as my instrument, right? There's only a few of us. It's not like there's a trumpet player everywhere in New Orleans, and they know the songbook. Trumpet players, they know the song, or they know the melodies to the songs because that's their job. The drummers. They have to know the rhythms, all of the, all of them. Gosh, huh? Think about that. Bass players, they've got to know where they're moving. The piano players there, wow, that's a, that's a bit much. 
after the hurricane, let's put it to you this way. After the hurricane, we were on the road, my band and some more bands. And this was our first time seeing each other. Had to be about 10 bands from New Orleans all gathered in one at one festival someplace. And came, I came downstairs to the cafeteria area or the lobby area, and they were they were talking about this what-if thing. Well, what if so-and-so hadn't made it out, right? Or what if, what if Fats, they had just found Fats, you know, because no one knew if he was okay. Or what, what if Fats hadn't made it out? And I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I was sitting there, I'm saying, oh, wow, that never thought about it that way. And then they went on down the line. Well, what if so-and-so? And so one of the musicians sitting at the table said, well, hell, what if, well, Devel, what if you hadn't made it out? And I'm and I said, well, what do you mean? What if I hadn't made it? I said, well, no, what, where would piano be if you hadn't made it out? Where would it be? Where would it go? God. And I, I said, well, I mean, I don't know. I said, and I named a few of my friends who I love, 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 love so much. <laughs> I said, well, this, so-and-so, and this, this, and that. I said, no, 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 but you, you know, you, you, you started this when you were a child and you've got records and you've done this, you know. What if you hadn't made it out? There would have been a huge gap. And my my keyboard player, Thaddeus Richard, who played with wings, he played he played clarinet. He says, "Well, you're doggone right about that. You know, he's doggone right. What if you hadn't made it out, Devell? You know, you know." And I started thinking about my responsibility. Then I have a responsibility to uh, preserve the music, to carry it forth, and to breathe new life into the music when it's appropriate to do that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's why I'm around. Yeah.
So I was listening to your your first volume of of the from the vault. Oh yeah, series. yeah. And um, you know, you you get into a you get into a groove <laughs> hearing this music, and this, we were talking earlier about this pulse on the two and four. That, oh yeah, that starts to develop, and you can't help but but <clears throat> tap your feet. And and I was saying how uh, fine brown frame reminded me of that Randy Newman uh, song Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. <laughs> and I was struck. You know, not only by the pulse of this music, but how you really have to have independent hands to play, almost like a like a drummer. You, you, there's right. independent hands, and then there's the voice on top of everything. It's a lot that's coming together in a certain style, which I think you play and are quite adept at. There's this rhythm of the left that roots everything. There's magic happening in the right, mm-hmm. and then you're telling a story with your voice on top of all of that. Yeah, you got such a fun. I wonder what could be your name. Oh, some call me Devel, you know. You look good to me, and all I can see is your fine brown frame. Okay, I can work with that. I can work with that. going to ask you something so naive as how do you do that but what i would ask is what what do you try to be conscious of while all that is happening what what are you looking out for what's the through line that pushes all of that forward well i'm not i'm not really looking for too much i can tell you that i'm Mm -hmm. looking for a groove you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. and um the truth the truth is already there right if you listen to the truth and obey the truth, the groove will the groove will be there. The groove will set you free. So that's kind of where I live. I live in the groove. And it's not that hard to live in the groove and to find the groove. Listen, I studied classical music and I still try to study it, not as much as I used to. Uh, I was raised in the Catholic and the Baptist churches, right? And I was born, my grandfather, you know, was a great piano player. So I was born with a groove, you know. So if you put all those things together, you know, I, I, that's what makes my music whatever it is. And that's what makes my left hand, you know, being from Louisiana, we are known for our left hands as far as piano players are concerned. Absolutely. And if you don't have a strong left hand, go sell shoes, you know, go do something else. And then, uh, you know, obviously the right hand with the, with the melody and, and all of that. <clears throat> you know, I was raised, like I say, um, uh, in church, in, in Christian music, uh, which I still love to play and I'm very active in. So we learn the melodies. We learn the melodies from listening to the trumpet players. We learn the melody. And we put all that together. And, and that, that's your groove. 
it was lovely to hear you last week. We were going over some of what you had recorded for the Steinway and Sons Spirio. Oh, high, yeah. High resolution player piano. And we were doing playback of what you had recorded. And you reacted like, oh, okay, okay. You know, you were surprised, I think, by some of your own twists and changes and Certainly. improvisations. So on top of all of this, what we've talked about, the strong left hand, melodic right, there's a there's a level of improvisation, which, you know, clearly still was able to surprise you on playback, even though you were the one who had originally played it. Well, I don't know about that. I'm, you know, I'm an artist, right? And I'm an artist at all costs. And I believe that there's a way to be an artist, and, and it, it, it's different personalities that live within me, I should say. You, uh, lots of other people, most everybody. But I think the most unique artist of our time in anything, music, visual arts, anything, I think they learn how to tap into the other personalities that they have, that live within them. Uh, listen, if I was to play everything that that Devell, the, just the guy that kind of walked in here a couple of minutes ago, uh, had to offer, I would have been done a long time ago, you know? But there's also Devell, the guy that's been around forever, right? Since the beginning, this cat, you know? There's also the Devell that uh, wants to play uh, Schubert, that's all sorts of development, wants to play Chopin, and still can a little bit, I, you know, I, uh, not very much. I'm not bragging on that, because trust me, it's very sloppy. But there's that, there's that kid. There's a little Devell that was at four years old, you know, and, and my grandmother said, well, to someone, you know, he's been here before, but I don't know why he's here this time. And I walked in from the other room with my Tunker toys in the hand. I said, yeah, I'm here to save y'all. <laughs> and I turned around and went back in the room and, the, and her beauty shop froze. There's that little kid, right? I, I live in all of that. I acknowledge all of that. Hopefully people accept it. Hopefully people like it. But for me, it's just another day. It's very easy for me because I accept it. It's the truth. And from seeing your reactions to your own playing of surprise, it sounds to me like it's not always altogether a conscious. Uh, that's correct. That's correct. You know, for, for the Steinway, I can tell you, you know, I thought about, say, well, I'm, I'm playing a little bit uh, too much this way. Okay, so now I should be someone else. And I'll take off my jacket or I'll put it back on or I'll, I'll sit a different way. Sometimes my head is, al I mean, almost on the keys. My head's almost on the keys, right? Other times I'm sitting straight up. Those are two different personalities and two different people. Um, and they, they have two different levels of ability when it comes to playing, when it comes to how they think, how they process, and how they execute what's, what, what's going to happen. Yeah. The theater of performance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Ben, that was Once I lived the life of a millionaire, spending my money most everywhere, taking my friends out for a mighty good time, drinking bootleg liquor. Champagne and wine Then I begin To fall so low 
You've been listening to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. Visit steinway.com soundboard to learn more. From Devell Crawford, we heard Fats Domino's I'm Walkin' and Randy Newman's Louisiana 1927, recorded for the Steinway & Sons Spirio, the world's finest high-resolution player piano with playback indistinguishable from live performance. Visit steinway.com Spirio to learn more. We also heard clips of Crawford performing Fine Brown Frame and Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out on his album Piano in the Vaults, Volume 1 on Basin Street Records. Finally, we heard a clip of Robert Johnson's You Better Come On In My Kitchen on Robert Johnson, King of the Delta Blues Singers, available on Sony Records. Our theme is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan. To read more interviews, visit Steinway's online music magazine at listenmusicculture.com. Questions for the podcast can be sent to info at steinway.com with the subject heading soundboard. Thank you for listening.